Well, good morning. How about we uh, turn around and say hello to the folks around you? Just kind of wave to them, tell them good morning, tell them happy Thanksgiving, belated there. All right, in the gospel it says that the sheep are on the right, they go to heaven, the goats are on the left, they go to hell. What side of church are you on? What depends if it's on my right or if it's on your right, right? So you're off the hook today, but we've got to listen to the gospel. Amen? I do want to say happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I know it's a few days after the feast, but um, can we just say thank you? Amen? I mean, name me a day. Ham or turkey? Man, you just eat them both. It's Thanksgiving, right? On a day like Thanksgiving, you can eat gumbo and cranberry sauce all in the same meal. That never made sense. But hey, it's Thanksgiving. You can eat whatever you want. Amen? You can eat pecan pie, apple pie, one dessert, all the desserts. You can eat no dessert. You can just eat dessert. It's Thanksgiving. Amen? That's my kind of day. But I did take Thanksgiving seriously this year, or I should say, I did spend some time in gratitude for the Lord. Much to be grateful for. I was really grateful for my mom and my dad and just the privilege of being with them. I was grateful that, uh, you know, my family's healthy and new chapters are unfolding for my nieces and my nephews. I think on the heels of the the story that we were telling about the history of the island, I was this year just um, especially in a very particular way sensitized to gratitude just for the island, the people on the island, and the beauty of being here with you. Just uh, very grateful for so much in my life right now. Even yesterday, grateful that LSU's defense showed up enough to beat Texas A&M. Praise God for that. Also grateful that the season's over. Praise God for that. I don't know how much my heart can take LSU's defense anymore. Amen? But grateful for many things. Jesus in the gospel today, right, talks about caring for the sick, talks about feeding the poor, talks about um, when we do that for For the least ones, we do it for him. And my friends, we have a lot to be grateful for. Amen? Page 10 in the bulletin. I want to just be a little grateful with you. Page 12, I'm sorry. Go to page 12. Can we just pause for a moment and can we say thank you? Because every once in a while, that's what dads do. Dads look at their family and they, they, they say things to their family that are important. And gosh, you call me father for a reason. And it's a real joy to be here. I, I, want, I want to look at you today, and I want to say thank you, uh, because you're, you're, you're awesome. I want to say thank you for the untold stories in our history. I was walking through the history of the island, and, and what struck me was that there was a lot of change in that story. But, you know, there are a lot of things that happen in the history of this island that, that we'll never hear in church, right? How many times did neighbor help out neighbor here on the island? Amen. How many, how many times did neighbor fight with neighbor here on the island? Amen? Just kidding. That happens everywhere. But, you know, that happens. But, you know, you know how many family fun days or how many, how many funerals did people just kind of come together or, or storms? That's what, that's what community does. That's what family does. And, gosh, in the history of this island, we could go on and on just grateful for the fact that we have good people here, people with a resolve, Right? 
right? Just the people on the island. There, there, are, there are people who are working hard right now, and they were tired a year ago, right? And now it's two years since Ida, and, and they're still tired, and they're just still plugging away, doing the best they possibly can. I, I'm, I'm grateful for a lot of the hidden sacrifice because when you give of yourself when you're tired, that's a different kind of giving. Mamas know that. Daddies know that. But there are people who are serving us on this island right now, and they're tired. And, and I, I, I see it, right? And I see the, the, the labor even in the fatigue. Look at this second section right there on page 12. You, you want to say thank you with me? Check this out. Over 1,000 hours of volunteer response in the immediate aftermath of Hurricane Zeta from people all over the country, much less our, our community. Are you ready for this? Over 7,000 hours of volunteer response within the first six months of Hurricane Ida. And when I think back to the response to the hurricanes, both Hurricane Zeta and Ida, it just brought up the best in everyone. You know, there are countless stories that, that just kind of fall in between the cracks because of, of the busyness of the hurricane or just because of, of the, uh, the pace of life. But um, there, there were miracles unfolding every day. I remember distinctly um, getting a phone call from um, Harold Sherman, who hails from the great uh, War Eagle Nation of Auburn, Alabama, and that family there. And, and uh, he was kind enough to give us a 1,000-gallon uh, container that we put gas in, and we were able to fuel the cars of the volunteers who were uh, just going from parish to parish in the immediate crisis days of chaos after Hurricane Ida. Uh, you know, without people like Harold and, and their generosity, we would never have been able to do all the things that we were able to do and serve the people in the midst of the hurricanes. 25,000 meals were served in the aftermath of Hurricane Zeta and Hurricane Ida, both through in our parking lot, through other churches, as well as the program through the state. But a lot of that was because of just the goodness of people, right? Talking about when I was hungry and you gave me food, 25,000 meals. When I was in prison, when I was trapped emotionally with the overwhelm of the hurricanes, 7,000 hours of volunteer response immediately to Ida, 1,000 to Zeta. Look at the next. Talk about grateful. In season one of Rebuild Grand Isle, over 16,000 hours of people working on people's houses on the island. 16,000 hours of people who came in from out of state, our nomad friends in the back, Mennonite Disaster Service RV, right, the CARES, that's the Amish and Mennonite group. 16,000 hours of people coming to Grand Isle helping, help, helping people get back in their house. We estimate in season two, right, that we will have over 20,000 hours of rebuilding from volunteers. That means in two years, the Bayou Community Foundation, three Re rebuild Grand Isle, are you ready for this? We'll have invested over $2 million in our island so that we can get our community back and over 35,000 hours of volunteerism. Talk about, can we just say thank you? Amen? I'm grateful for you. Um, you know, everything from the church is set up for mass. Every time I come in here, 
Every time I need something, I, I, I can call any of you, but some of you, and, and it happens. I'm just grateful for the fact that a lot of you have your own little thing that you do here at the church. I may not always have the words to say thank you, but I want to let you know I have eyes to see it. And, and I appreciate the fact that we have a lot of people who love this parish and who make it happen in their own gifts. Right, I want to say thank you. I know you work hard for your money, especially in times like this. It's tough. In 2022, 2023, we were less dependent upon grants than ever in the last 23-year history of the island. Now, Christy does an amazing job of, of making sure that we're, we're staying on, on point there. But I just want to say thank you to you. You work hard for your money, and you entrust that to Jesus. And, and our parish cannot thrive if we're always begging for grants. But the fact that we've got a little bit more solvency and stability here, I just want to say thank you to you. Again, I see it, and, and I see you. And I just want to say thank you for the way that you love the Lord. Our island, it, it's, it's becoming a place quietly behind the scenes where people come to encounter God. Not have always come here to encounter God, but kind of more formally now things are happening. The number of people who came during the summer on Fridays just to pray before they go to their camp, right? Just in 2023, this and this year, we had over 1,000 hours of, of face-to-face time with priests on this island. I, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to God, and I want to say thank you to you. You know, Sunday after Sunday, I get up here and I ask you to do things. I ask you to think about things. And some of those conversations are hard. And some of those questions take you deep. And I don't always have, as a a dad, a father, the chance to say thank you. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You're seen. you're, You're loved. You're appreciated. You're valued. And I just want to say thank you for being who you are. Amen? Grateful. Grateful to him. Can we just say thanks? You know, it would have been enough. It would have been enough just for him to come at Christmas, right? We didn't didn't ask. We didn't do anything to make that happen. On his own, he says, I don't want to be an invisible God. I want you to see me. It would have been enough if he would have came at Christmas and we would have just known the face of God and the name of God and the voice of God and has, he has ears. That would have been enough. But then he gave us words and he gave us teachings. And these teachings have saved my life. Like some of the things that he has said have helped me rethink to re-see people. It would have been enough for him to come at Christmas, but then he gave us his words. And it would have been enough that he came at Christmas so that we could know him and that he gave us his words, but y'all, he he did even more. It would have been enough for him just to be on the cross, just so that when I suffer and when I feel abandoned, I might know that God knows suffering and that uh, he, he knows what it's like. It would have been enough for him just to give me a witness of suffering. That would have been enough. But then he died for me and for you. Can I just say thank you to you? Before Jesus, we all go to hell. 
I hope you caught that reference. There is no heaven before Good Friday. It does not exist. It would have been enough for him to come so we knew his name and have his words and have an example. But he gave us even more. He said, I don't want you to be destined for hell. And so he got on the cross and he died for us. And that would have been enough. But then he rose from the dead so I don't have to fear death. And he opened up heaven so I might know that no matter what earth looks like, there's something more for me after I die. That would have been enough. But then he sent us the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we go through this life and we deal with Ida and we deal with families and we deal with life, that we, move, we know that we're not alone now. It would have been enough for him to, to die, but it's even more for us to know that he's not dead. I just want to say thank you. If he's the king. Something about what happened here. See the word rescued. When someone rescues you, that means you couldn't rescue yourself. Our first responders know this. Our first responders, some of them have had to go in and rescue people because they were trapped. They could not get out without the intervention from someone else. If you need to be rescued, if no one comes, you're trapped forever. I feel like a prompting, a weight I feel an anointing on my heart today for us not to take for granted that everybody goes to heaven. Please don't believe that. I feel a prompting on my heart today to remind us that would it not be for Jesus who rescued us from hell? Would it not be for Jesus who rescued me from death, who rescued me from sin, after I take my last breath on this earth, I would simply live in darkness forever if I had not been rescued by Jesus. I'll tell you a story. Many of you have heard it before, but it's good to hear it again. Once upon a time, there was a guy named Bob. Bob's just going through life, just like a lot of us are. Bob, he's a fictitious guy. He's a made-up guy. Bob, Bob lives in South Louisiana somewhere, works in the oil field doing something. He's no longer on the rigs. He's now on land. He's not working 77. He's in the office somewhere. And most of what Bob does isn't going to change the world. Bob's just going through life. Because that's what most of us do. Bob gets up and does the same thing today that he did last Thursday, which is the same thing he did six months ago. Bob's not changing the world. Bob's just trying to get off of work and get through life. And the most important thing in Bob's life is the next season. Deer season, duck season, Mardi Gras, trout season, 
Nothing wrong with those things. Bob. Nothing really important about where Bob lives. Bob lives by himself. Bob just gets up, goes to work, comes home. Biggest decision in Bob's daily life is, is he going to exercise today? Is he not going to exercise? Is he going to cook? Is he just going to take one of those TV dinners out the freezer, put them in the microwave, zap it, boom. Just sits there, and Bob just watches TV, just like a lot of us do, and just kind of veges out at night. Doesn't know that he's not really living. Bob. Bob goes to bed one night. Wakes up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Can't see. Can't breathe. Smoke everywhere. Bob. House is on fire. And everything he remembered when he was a kid starts coming back to him, right? Gets low to the ground. Needs to get a Nick needs to get it back to her. He's crawling through his living room. He's got his hand on the glass door to get outside, and he lifts up his hand. And that's it. Smoke inhalation. Bob passes out. House on fire. Bob wakes up. He's on the outside of the house. And he's sitting in the grass and he's kind of confused because he doesn't know where he is. He's looking at a house that's on fire. He doesn't know why there's trucks and sirens and people. And then he realizes that's my house. And there's another house that's on fire. And their whole neighborhood's on fire. The whole street's on fire. But he doesn't know how he was there. And now he's here. He's kind of confused. And he realizes, oh my God, I was in that house. And he remembers grabbing the door and passing out. And he has no idea how he got from the house where he was going to die. And now he's on the outside of the house. And he just realizes that someone must have rescued him. And there's this guy that walks up to Bob. The fireman. says, hey, Bob, my name is Jesus. I'm a fireman. Yep, that was me. I saved your life. You didn't ask me to. You didn't deserve it. You didn't do anything to help me. I walked into a burning building, and on my own desire, because I am a great fireman, I pulled you, put you on my back. And I pulled you out of that burning building. Bob is on the ground looking at a fireman who saved his life. What do you think Bob would say? Uh, (laughs) thank you. What would you say?
fireman looks back at Bob. Says, Bob, there's more houses on fire. Says, Bob, there's more people who need help. Bob, looking at the fireman, the fireman says back to Bob, hey, I got an extra pair of boots. I got an extra hat. I got an extra coat. I'm going back in. I need some help. Fireman looks at Bob and says, Bob, stay on my hip. You stay right close to me. You do exactly what I tell you to do. Don't do anything I don't tell you to do. You do exactly what I tell you to do. I need some help. Because your family is burning. And your friends are in there. And the fireman looks at Bob and says, Bob, I'm going back in. What, what do you say? Would you follow me? What would you say? Now look, you could stay there on the ground by yourself with your orange juice and watch Bob walk back into the burning building. You have that choice. Seems awful narcissistic to me, but... Or we could stay on his hip and follow him. Here's the king. And he saved you from hell. And he's a little bit more important than turkey and ham. He's only got one question for you today. Will you follow him? Will you follow him when you walk out of Mass today? Will you follow him later on tonight? Will you follow him at work tomorrow as you raise your kids, as you think about the rest of your life? Will you live your life no longer as if he's dead and invisible? Would you live your life like he's real? Bob can't go back after he met the fireman. Like... Life is forever different when you meet the fireman. And you have 12 minutes to think about your answer. We don't do altar calls in this church as if it was some result of a really cool homily. Because what happens on this altar is real. And we're just presenting to you again in the meal what the firemen did on Good Friday. And you are going to have an altar call today because you are going to stand up and you are going to walk forward and you either have to say, Amen, yes, I believe, or you just come get your bread and go sit down. That's up to you. But this is personal. 
between you and the fireman. In 12 minutes, you get to say yes to him. So let's take a couple seconds now, look deep inside our hearts, and ask ourselves, can we say thank you by making a decision to follow him? Amen? Amen. Take a couple seconds in silence right now. Look inside your heart. What's he saying to you right now?